Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Today, we continue our series on building yourself a chance, and I want to show you how to build a great relationship. This is a little bit of an interruption in our series. Diane and I are out celebrating our 37th wedding anniversary. It's really a blast for us. But I left this message for you because I wanted you to hear something that God put on my heart just for you. I believe that you are the person who has the power to connect the dots in your life and give yourself a chance to have a better life. The key is for you to make the right choices. I call it success comes in pieces. That's my principle I live by. I call it the pieces principle. And the pieces are the choices you make that lead you to God's best in your life. And so I want to show you how you can make some relationship choices, how those things can change everything in your life, how you can sow yourself into a better place. You know, God is not going to sow you into a better job without you working. God is not going to sow you into better health without you exercising. God is not going to sow money into your life if you don't work and try. There's something about your involvement in this process. So if you'll join me, I want to show you a simple, profound principle that I just absolutely adore. It has helped me, and especially in my relationships. Now, please be clear. This is not a talk just for married folks. Now, we can make it that if we wanted to, but this is for single people, for people who are in friendships, any kind of relationship. You're going to learn some keys, two specific things that can help you. I'm going to help you become more aware today, and I'm also going to help you become the kind of person who understands how to make those relationships better. Look with me, if you would, please, and let me begin with a simple, simple question. I call this, in your notes, a research project. Now, remember, the big question for the day is this. What is it like to be in a personal relationship with you? That's my question for you today. Whether it's married to you, friend to you, what is it like to be in a personal, intimate relationship with you? Now, I am going to give you a research project for you to take home with you. I want you to think about and maybe talk to somebody. If you're married, go to your spouse and say, tell me three things that would be tough for a person married to me. That's right. That's all I want you to ask. And if you have a friend, you can go to a friend and you can say the same thing. Tell me three things that would be tough for you if, if a person was my friend, what would be three things that would be tough they'd have to deal with? Now, I have done this all week. I have, I have asked friends. I've asked women uh, who, who know me for years. Uh, and I've asked my wife. And it has been amazing. Because at the end of the day, I want you to build a great relationship. But I believe that's tied to awareness, and that's tied to an understanding. Many times you just don't know. You think you know. But most of us are afraid to ask. We're afraid to ask somebody, tell me what's it like living with me? What's it like? And then you can't defend. Now, here's the deal. When you ask this question, you can't fuss back and say, that's not true. Uh, uh, that's not me. You can't do that. What you've got to do is you've got to back up. And you've got to think about it. So here's what I've done. I'm going to show you in a, in a moment a scripture that I, I love. It's a scripture that I think kind of launched this whole thought process. Because I was thinking about marriage and it just landed on me. It's in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22. Here's what the Bible says 
a person married to you should be able to say. They should be able to say this. He who finds a wife or a spouse finds a good thing. He who finds a wife obtains favor from the Lord. The Bible says when a person gets married, when a guy gets married to a wife, he should say, this is great. And, and God's favor should be on it. That's, that should be the testimony. Now, that is not often the testimony. As a matter of fact, sometimes when people get married, they go, I don't know what I got myself into. It seems like it's totally different than anything I planned. You know, you have all these great things you plan to say, and you, <laughs> and you find out that it didn't work out like that. The person is not happy. They don't like the way you communicate. It's just not what you thought or they thought. So here, here, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to listen. Now, you, you know, you can't do this homework assignment if you're going to go home and compete and fuss and all that. But what I did was I asked this question, and I did not refute any of it. I'll tell you, honestly, in a moment what answers I got. They're amazing. second verse I want you to look at is in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It says, listen to this now. It says, and this is in the message version, uh, uh, message Bible. You use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. And in the King James, it says iron sharpens iron. And so that the idea is simply friends sharpen friends. Now, this is not always painless, by the way, but it sometimes hurts to have a friend do this. But I want you to ask, like I asked, what's it like to be my friend? What are the, what's tough about being a friend to Ricky Temple? It was really amazing. Now, what I've done is I've condensed the answers, and I first started off with my thoughts. Then I'm going to go to my wife's thoughts, and then I'm going to go to what I call the thoughts of others or what others told me. Now, what was powerful about this was I sat down, and you should probably do the same thing. Write down what you think you would say. So if it's your, before you ask your friends, you write down the three things that you think would be tough about being your friend. Just three things you think. Knowing yourself the way you know yourself, write them down. Then, then ask them, but don't, don't ask them before you write your own down. Now, here are my three things that I thought on my own that would be tough about people who, if, if you ask what I thought would be tough for a person if they were married to me, here's what I thought would be tough. Ready? Number one, my pace. For friends or for my wife, my pace would be, I thought, a, a challenge because I've, I've kind of heard that. I tended to move and, and some of my friends agreed with this whole argument. Secondly, my intensity. Now, I've, I've been told at times that I can be intense. That <laughs> my um, way of um, engaging conversation uh, can be intense. Now, it doesn't mean rude. I was never told I was rude, but, but I'm, I'm really intense. I really want to go forward, I'm driving, driving, thinking, driving, driving all the time. Then I thought about my tendency to be what my wife calls an introverted home. Now, she says I'm not an introvert outside of the house, but at the house I can be an introvert. And so she says that I can just isolate myself. We'll let her respond to that. But that's basically the three things that I anticipated that she would say if I asked her what's tough about being married to me. That I, my pace, my intensity, and the fact that I can be somewhat of an introvert only at home, though. It's amazing. Then I asked Diane. And so Diane gave me three powerful 
summations that were amazing. I want to tell you the first one. I'm on your notes, it's number three. But here's what she saw. I asked her this early in the morning. So here's what she told me. She said, you ask analytical questions early in the morning and late at night. That's the first thing that's tough about being married to you. You ask these analytical questions. So after we got past that answer, she gave me two more. Here's what she told me. Number one, she says, your definitions are culture. Your definitions, Temple, or your culture is like a foreign language. I thought, what? She said, yeah, it's like a foreign language. How you define money, food, um, keeping up with you, everything is, is just foreign. It's not the norm at all. And that sometimes can be tough. Then she said, secondly, you have such broad relationships that sometimes it can lead to a sense of insecurity and you just you, talking to everybody, doing everything, and I'll let her explain that more later. But that, to me, was a surprise. Sometimes, I, I think the biggest surprise was her definition, the definitions, that, my, that sometimes the way I define everything, she says, can be like a foreign language. Now, this is after 37 years of marriage. It's amazing. Some of you say, well, I have no hope. Yes, you do. Learn. Learn from this moment. Then, then, watch this now. Other people said amazing things about whether it being a friend or whether they were married to me. These are things that people on both sides of the friendship or said about me. They said, if we were, if we were looking at you, we would think, well, the first thing that would be tough is your schedule. And then they said, the second thing that would be tough about dealing with you would be the fact that you, you confront things, that you, you don't let things just go. You want to you want to deal with things now. You're not the kind of friend that's going to let things just go. And Diane said the same thing, that I tend to be that kind of person. And then thirdly, one person said that I'm really neat. I don't know that I'm excessively neat, but one person said they think that me being neat, putting things in where I think it needs to be, and being real particular. Another person said, and this was a big surprise to me. They said, we think, I think you're sensitive. I think your sensitivity. I, I think you, you, you remember things when people hurt you. You, you're not mean, but you kind of, you know, can remember it. And, and I, I, I was so surprised. This was one of the biggest surprises to me, but my wife agreed with it. She says, you, you, you hurt. When people hurt your feelings, you hurt. And it's, it's, it's people who know you can tell. And I, I was a bit surprised. Now, what's interesting about this is I thought that was a profound process for me. Now, somebody, some of you don't need to do this. Listen, if you're going to get mad with people, if they hear the truth, don't do this. If you, if you can't take the answers, don't do it. Just write your own three down and live with your own view of yourself. But if you want to understand why you have relationship challenges, why you have friendship challenges, the only way you're going to find out is if you become aware. So let me give you, if I can, how, how did I make it easier on people to be in relationship with me? Here's, what, here's the first thing I did. There are four things I did. Number one, I became aware of what, what makes it tough for people. The first, thing I, the first thing that I think I've done is I, if I understand how people perceive me, I then can make it easier for people. Secondly, I became aware of, in my case, this is important for you to hear this, in my case, my pay, how my pace affects people. That when I want to go, 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 or do, 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 I have to be careful that I understand how it affects people around me. Thirdly, I became aware of, of, in my case, this is my case, how intensely passionate I can seem to those around me. 
So when I'm, when I'm talking about stuff, I need to understand that can sound too, too, too passionate. You need to learn how to, I'm not saying I shouldn't be passionate, but I need to be aware of how that makes people feel and then become aware of, in my case, how all my approaches to life, this is important, how all my approaches to life rub up against people. So if, if I'm a get up and go and do person and I'm, I'm not aware that I'm dragging people behind me, it could become a very tough relationship issue. And so are you really aware? Do you understand the impact of your facial expressions, of the things that you say when you're angry? Are you really aware of how that rubs up against people and what that does to people? Have you ever thought about, you know, what your children think, you know, that's another relationship you can explore. What's it like to be your child? What's it like to be beaten and yelled at and cussed at or whatever you do? Is, what's it like for someone to get in your face and threaten you? What is it like when you just want to air your opinion and you define that as talking back? What is it like to be under that kind of leadership? And you do understand you're a leader. And so for me, it was powerful to step back and have this discussion. Now, here's something I want you to understand. Here's the reason why I need to be aware. Because I only control my side of any relationship. Awareness is important because it gives me a chance. I'm not talking about you. And this is really important. This is not about telling somebody else what to do. This is all about you. Pulling yourself aside and saying, let me look at me. Just me. Nobody else. Just me. Just me. If I'm aware of how, what I'm doing, if I'm aware of what I'm saying, if I'm aware of what my rubbing up against people, my pace, my schedule, what that does to everybody. I see a lot of families, you're just out of control. Your schedule's out of control. The pace is out of control. Everything is out of control. And, and no one says, hey, could it be that all of this combined has created this horrible gumbo flavor in my mouth? And it's make, made me frustrated. And it's caused our relationships to weaken. Now, what's really important, though, in all of this is for you to hear this statement. Do I agree with everything everybody said about me? No. No, I don't agree with everything my wife thinks about me, but that's okay. That's not the point. The point is not to be right. The point is to just be sure I'm, I'm aware. You see, it's not about agreement, but about being aware. That's it. Hear that again. It's not about agreement. I don't have to agree to everything people say about me, ever. That's not the point. It's about making it easier because that is what helps everybody win. If I know that my tone bothers you or that I tend to probe too deep, and, we, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a thinker. I'm always, you know, asking questions. So I just kind of have to manage that. My wife you know, she has a view that I don't like but so many questions in a row. And so she'll, you know, kind of pick and choose. And, and, and that's, that's a process we kind of have to work on all the time. There's something about knowing how it works. And that's just called an understanding. It helps me understand. Don't have to agree. I just need to understand. Now, let me, let me say to you, that, my friend, can change everything in a relationship. If you become more aware of what you do and how it impacts you, 
if you become more aware of how everything in your life, everything you say, the way you act, how it impacts people, imagine how the person can feel if they just know you're, you're aware and you understand that you, you get it, that this is what they prefer. I struggled a long time in um, relating to certain people because I thought the way I thought. I didn't understand how they were thinking. And so now my prayer is, Lord, help me and those that I relate to see it from their side. Can you for a moment put down all of your opinions and leave them over here for just a minute? If the relationship is going bad, if things aren't working out, for a minute, just take everything you think, everything they did, everything they said, all whatever, to pick it all up and put it over here for a minute and just listen to their view. Well, it's wrong. It's crazy. I understand it. To you, it's crazy. I understand. But understand, that that doesn't make you right. I don't, I don't believe I'm always right. That's not about being right. As a matter of fact, there are times I'm off, and I've said that. There are times when, for reasons that I may not even realize, there are people that are off because they're chemically imbalanced. They've got stuff going on physically that they refuse to go get checked. There are people who are in pain, and every time you talk to them, they're hurting. And so they're chronically mean because they're hurting all the time. There are people that are financially under pressure, and they're frustrated, and their answer has more to do with money than anything else. It's not always the person you're talking to. Sometimes the person you're talking to or the kid that's making noise in the house is a victim of your own circumstances. They have no knowledge of what you're going through. And so what you need to do is back up for a second and say, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I need to see what they see. Here's an advantage that I have over most people. Every single week, I see myself. I see myself dressed. I look at my clothes. I'm on video. I'm taped. I, am, I get to hear myself, and I can judge what I look like from the outside. How often do you get a chance to do that? You see, it could be that part of the problem is you don't see. You're not even aware. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you, you're walking around all day long and you think you look great, and then you, 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 you get in the mirror and you see this big smudge on your face, and you just think, has that been there all day? Has that been there all day? I tell a story about how I was in a hotel with Diane, and we were, we were, I was talking to someplace, I was speaking, and I went down to you know say hello to a lot of the people that were at the conference I was speaking at, and I didn't comb my hair. I didn't, I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't comb my hair. It was amazing. I didn't, I didn't comb my hair. And I was down there just walking around, just talking, hello, hey, and talking to people, shaking hands. And, and then all of a sudden, Diane comes down. She says, did you comb your hair? Says, did you comb your hair? I was, I was, I was, I, let me tell you, I froze. I thought, I have been down here for 30 minutes talking to people with a nappy head and didn't know it. I wonder, are you like that? Are there things you just can't see? Because you refuse to ask the question, what does it look like from the other side of relating to me? Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take a few minutes, and I'm going to invite my friend up. What I call her is my best, best friend, my closest friend, Miss Diane. And what she's going to do is come up, and we're going to ask just three questions I'm just going to ask. And then we're going to pray for you. And our goal today is just to give you a a place to begin, just a place to begin. So my closest, closest friend, the one that I've been married to for 37 years, the love of my life, for sure. She is so cool, 
As a matter of fact, she has absolutely no practice for these questions, not really. And she's going to come on up here and join me. So come on down and join me. I'm so glad you're here. And she's going to talk to us and give us words of wisdom from Diane. This is Diane's moment. She's going to come on up here. Come on, babe, and just answer three questions for me. I want you to answer three questions for me. You ready? Sure, I'm ready. What did you think about what I said so far? Uh, interesting. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yes. It's good. Good. Is her mic on? Can y'all hear her? She's on. Is that right? Is that a hello? Mic on. Is the mic on? Her mic is on. Is that a mic on, guys? Yes, the mic is on. Good. Great. Now, tell me. So you, tell me. What do you think about what I said? I thought it was great information. Great tips. Great tips. Yep. Yeah. So so um, when I first talked to you about doing this, first of all, it's our anniversary, right? Yes. And so you're, you're excited? 37 years. 37 yep. years. 37 years. 37 years. 37 years, right. So tell me. What is tough? What makes marriage tough for most women? Start with that. What, what makes it tough for them to be related to? Why do women have a hard time? What, what do they do that makes it tough for them in relationships? I think one of the main things that, that I've heard, I, that I've experienced, and something that I've heard over and over again is the challenge of communication and that um, there is a way in which, you know, I was raised and way in which I communicate and then having a lot of siblings. And you even said that my family is a bit on the loud side, you know. Very and loud. It's, <laughs> <laughs> and I have a lot of school teachers in my family. So, you know, our, we believe in projecting our voices, you know. And, and so my style of communication is, is talk it out, work it out, keep going until you get a solution. You know, but then um, when you are married to somebody else who has a different upbringing, they have another definition of communication. And um, also, uh, the with the communi communication piece, it's definitions. You know, um, what do I mean by, I remember one of the main things was my definition of breakfast. And when we first got married, and my definition of breakfast was, you know, toast and bacon, or just like we were raised on on a lot of turkey, <laughs> turkey ham before turkey ham was popular. You know, it's like toast and something else, or even just toast and juice was breakfast. And then when I married you, you had grits, eggs, bacon, sausage, pancakes, That's sometimes right. everything, toast, everything. And it's like you had a buf <laughs> you had a buffet. You know, and exactly. And I thought, if now if you're at your mom's house, you can have a buffet, but you expect me to prepare the buffet. Exactly. You know, because that's my definition. That's your definition of <laughs> breakfast. Exactly. And so, it, you know, it's just a lot of times it's that communication piece that makes the difference. So, so, but tell me, help me understand. Okay, so what makes it? The women do things, or the things you see women do, that make it tough for the guy. That make it. These are things you said, okay, maybe a couple of things that women do that you've seen them do, and you said this is what makes it tough for the guy. Um, I think uh, one of the things that I've seen women do is use their, um, their personal principles for marriage. It's like uh, whatever principles they may have learned from, their, from home or examples in their, in their family. And so it's their definitions of marriage, their definitions of what a husband should and should not do. And uh, they don't take, um, they don't consider the biblical principles that uh, that are present for us to make on how to have a 
great relationship. So all of the principles you had prior to getting married to me, you couldn't use those principles. I could not use those principles. <laughs> principles <laughs> you of could. You could. don't trust him, you don't believe a word he say, you know, keep your eye on him, watch your money, so watch his money. So that's what it was. That's, that's you what know. you came into the marriage with. Yeah, well, those were the principles that I was exposed to prior to being married. But then once I knew, God, I want the kind of marriage you desire for me, what are those principles that I should be following? Not what's in, I call it my personal manual. I have a personal manual based upon history, based upon family, based upon various things that I've seen and experienced in my past. Those, I have a manual, you know, you don't say this. You know, I had a principle where I don't even, I didn't even, I don't even, if you, even know if you know this, and that I didn't tell a person I love you. It's like. No, you, you, you kind of said that to me once. You kind of said that you didn't. You <laughs> it's didn't, like, I didn't, didn't say that because just in out. case right. you act crazy, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, don't go that far. You know, I like you a whole lot, you know. And so it was, and it was based upon the manual that I had previously. But then once I once I realized, okay, God, do I want God, that kind of relationship? I want your kind. It's like you're going to have to, I trust God that God is not going to hurt my heart. So if God told me to trust you, then I trust him that you're not going to, he's not going to let you hurt my heart. But let me ask this. Sometimes I know that even when we try to do that, sometimes guys, people do what they want to do anyway, but that was the principle that you practice, and thank God it worked in our relationship. Okay, let's talk about guys. Okay, what do guys do? What do guys do that, in your mind, makes the relationship tough? What do they do? I think the main thing guys do that make relationship the tough. Main thing. Here we the go. Main thing. <laughs> That's the main thing. Is their communication, and it's twofold. They either don't communicate. Okay. You know, they go in the cave in the corner and don't hardly say anything. Or when they're communicating, they're mean. They're mean. They're mean. So it's only two choices. Two choices. They're either not communicating or a lot of times they're mean when they do communicate. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, if they're not communicating, the wife continues to ask questions. Well, where are you? What's going on? And what happened? And and then. So I'm not going to ask you was it ever mean, but go past that. Oh, Keep going. goodness. But, <laughs> I don't. But I, yeah, they, I wasn't trying to be, but your your point was even me at times. Yes. I've communicated in ways that you thought was was, was not the best. Mean. But the one right? you don't have, <laughs> you you don't have a com you will communicate. But most of the wives that I've I've spoken to, and one of the issues that they have is that their husbands don't talk enough. And so if they don't talk enough, mm -hmm. then she has to say. I wonder if he's doing this. I wonder if he's there. Right. You say, where are you? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'll be home in a minute. But where are you? I, I said I'll be home in a minute. Can you just tell me where you are? I said I'll be home in a minute. So it yeah. starts with the not just say I'm at Walmart, you right. know, or, you know, I, I detoured. But I understand that a lot of guys, guys don't say it because as women, we say, why'd you detour? Or you're not supposed to detour. You know, we mm -hmm. come with those extra things. So right. because we come with those extra things, the guy tries to say very little. Let me say this. Part of, part of the reason why I think that what she would call mean, my, my, my side of the river here, I think when guys are mean, they're afraid of something, they're hurt by something, they're confused by something. So there were times when I didn't understand why she was asking, um, where are you? I felt like, you know, you want to know where I'm at every second? What is this? Like a, I need a rope? And, and that wasn't what you were saying. But because in 
my own place of insecurity. I needed to have some place of independent power. I felt like you were checking up on me all the time. Not that she thought I was doing anything. Diane just is the kind of person likes to know where you are and we just likes to keep tabs in, 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 in a caring way. But it took a while for me to understand that. And I think when I stopped being afraid that she was trying to control me, and I think that's why I said in the teaching earlier, it's important to understand where the person is. I believe often if you just answer, answer the question, it stops the enemy from placing lies in your Great. mind and in your spirit because the enemy is already constantly telling you, you know, well, you know, your, your husband not telling you the truth, uh, he's cheating, he's whatever it is. Based upon your Paris manual, you know, he's putting all these thoughts in your head. And if your spouse doesn't ever give you the answer, then, you know, Satan will come in and give you an answer. And so it's the start of, of a tendency of, of not trusting what a person says. So, you know, I try to encourage women, don't, don't take the questions to the, to the uh, line of what appears to be interrogation, but you know for peace sake, you need to know where are you because it's not just trying to be a mother. It's trying to make sure that you're safe. You know, devil say, you know, well, you've been chopped up and thrown in the river, you know, and, and you're not answering the phone. So, you know, if you're if I'm calling, you're not answering the phone. I'm starting to panic because the enemy is not just not only saying, you know, he's, he's someplace where he shouldn't be. It's you could be hurt. And so. Um, the same concern we have for, for our kids, we have for our spouse. So I just said, just just say, I'm, I'm a little delayed, you know. And, and what happens, women will say, but you said you're going to come. Exactly. Just leave all of that, you know, aside <laughs> and just say, well, honey, right. get here as quickly as you can. And then if you turn, if we as wives turn the power down a little bit, your husband's going to be more prone to talk to you and say where they are and right. what happened. And what you've just seen is awareness. It's, it's as I, as we related, and I've, grew and became more aware, she became more aware. We learned, we began to understand, and that's what we said success creates, right? Success comes in pieces. You got to find the pieces, and then you have to understand the pieces. You can find the right person to be married to, but if you don't understand how to communicate, if you don't have an understanding and you don't become aware of what you're doing, that can make it more difficult. It's hard. So I want to switch for a second. Last thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about friendships, okay? So it's not just married people here, it's single people, okay? Single people who maybe want to find that right person, that's their dream, that's their desire. What do you think th that single people do that make it tough for them to find a mate? What is it that they do that makes that whole process difficult? They carry the air of the spirit of desperation and being on the hunt and I'm going to find somebody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and something you always say is that who wants to jump on a sinking boat? You know, so if you look like you're 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 desperate and you're you're fishing, you're throwing that fish rod out, and I'm gonna hook whoever I can find. You know, you you carry that spirit. Yeah. But something that you always say, be who you want to attract. Right. So you know, it was when I finally just said, Lord, I'm gonna leave it up to you, because I already picked a few folk. It was it was bad decisions. Thank God I didn't say I do to nobody, and um and I'm just gonna wait on you. You know, and I'm gonna grow amateur. And that's when God sent the person to me. Right. I believe you have to, if you're not happy and satisfied as a, as a single individual, your marriage is not going to fix it. 
Right. You're just going to be married. And if you're single and miserable, you're going to be married and miserable. Married, marriage does not solve that. I think, I think, you know, both of us, we dated other people before we got together, but those people hopefully found great people to marry and found a great life for themselves. But I think it's important for a single person to never assume that a person can solve all your issues. I often say you have to become what you want. So here you want a faithful, hardworking, diligent, neat person, and you're not any of that. I, I think that's not fair. Why should you reap what you didn't sow? I think that you have to sow the behavior you want to reap into your life. Now, if somebody violates that and does something they shouldn't do, that's not on you, that's on them. But as far as on my side of the river, I want to make sure I do all I can. Now, last question, for real, last question. Mm -hmm. In our marriage, in our relationship, in our friendship, what's the one thing you really like the most? The one thing you like the most. The one thing I like the most is just hanging out with you. It's some you're, mushy. You're, you know this. you're really serious. Yeah, though. it's you. You're you're fun. I like hanging out with you. That that's why we're on vacation. Uh, I like hanging out with you. You're fun. Yeah. Yep. I, I think for me, if I were to say, can we close for me? I want to say one one thing that I say is we close. I really believe that friendship is the best gift. Yeah, you know, all the other stuff is nice, but if, I, if we're not friends, and if you lose that, which is what a lot of couples lose, and a lot of friends lose. You know, if people aren't married. They, just, they lose the ability to be friends, to laugh, to have fun, to find something that's common that they believe in, and to let there be enough room to breathe so that she gets to be who she is. And this is true whether you're married to the person, a friend to the person, doesn't matter. Anytime you're in a relationship and it's smothering and there is no, no, no right to do anything you want, and the Bible says the hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. There's something that happens to people when they wake up one morning and they say, you know, I think this is never going to change. I, I think I'm in some kind of trap here and this is going to always be this way. Is when you say, okay, let's let's renegotiate the term. That's what I call it. Let's renegotiate the contract and reestablish lines and boundaries. There's a wonderful book by Townsend called Boundaries. And if you're married, there's someone called Boundaries in, in, in Married Life. You can buy it. It's a really good book, and it can help you think through this whole idea of how I can live my life. Now, we're not a perfect couple, and we have moments of disagreement. I call it intense fellowships. How about an amen? Amen. But we don't yell. We don't yell. Not Most of the time. No. We don't yell. <laughs> I know. No. I'm just saying that. <laughs> we really don't. We, we're intense now. You can, feel it, you can feel the fire. But it is. I tell Jesus on him. It's like, Jesus, you better get him. Oh, you know? better get him because yep. you're going to get him. <laughs> you're going to fix me up. All right. <laughs> but the point is, I really believe that you can find a way to have a better relationship. And I believe that God wants that to happen for your life. So I want to do two things. One is I want to pray for you. Then I'm going to give you a clue about next week. Father, I pray for those today who are in relationships. I pray first for those who are in just friendships. And their friendships are all over the map. They're horrible. They're, they're arguing all the time. They, they've lost touch with good people they used to get along with. I pray for people that are looking for a mate. I pray, God, that you would touch them that they would have a sense of confidence today and know that God's hand is on their life and that they will and can do better. 
if they're willing to, to become aware and to take a step back. And, Lord, I pray for people today in Jesus' name who are in marriages that are strained. They're struggling to see. May they say, you know, I'm going to take a step back and analyze what's it like to be with me, what's tough about me. And, God, I pray in Jesus' name that the healing power of the living God would touch these relationships, restore them, ignite fire and power in them, and give them a sense of hope in Jesus' name. And so I give you praise, Lord, for what you're going to do, for people's lives to be touched, for those that come to this service today that don't know you as Savior. May this be the moment that they say the greatest relationship that I need in my life is Jesus, and I give you all the praise for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, let me tell you, next week we're going to take another turn, and I'm going to talk about something totally different. I want to talk about an amazing, amazing, simple question. It's about using what you have. I want to show you two people in the Christmas story who didn't have much and how amazing it was that all of a sudden God turned it around. So next week we talk about building yourself a chance, working with what you have. And your read-ahead verses are listed for you, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And I want you to think about this for a minute. Sometimes you don't have much, but it's amazing what God can do with it. Building a future and getting to the place you want to be is not about having everything. It's just about using what you have. But that's next week. I'll be here in person, in the flesh, talking to you. We're doing what we love to do, and that's what? Cruising. Hanging out together. Yes. Now, next week is uh, Christmas Eve. So we have two services, a 9 o'clock service and 11 o'clock service. A lot of wonderful holiday music and celebration and some little holiday treats and all sorts of things. So we were just asking, you can even wear your favorite holiday colors, outfits, or even for those who have an ugly Christmas sweater, wear whatever you like. Wear anything but pajamas. We'd love to have you. We're going to have a wonderful time on Christmas Eve. I'm going to wear Miss, a, a, an awesome Christmas colored jacket. So I'll be in my Christmas bling next week. I will so, be in my Christmas t-shirt. And your t- and you, <laughs> I bet no. you will. I bet I'll you find will. something. I wish you will. I'll find something. We love you. And let me say this. An elder is going to come and pray for you right now. I want you to let Jesus Christ bless you this Christmas. Merry Christmas. We love you. We're modeling what we tell you to do, and that's called taking a break. See you next week. Bye-bye.